0: Welcome into to this week's edition of AWA Unleashed. We are the, I say, self-proclaimed preeminent number one podcast dedicated to telling the stories and reliving the memories of the American Wrestling Association. However, that has been disputed on this show because I say self-proclaimed because I don't want to be the only one that says it, but I said it. But Joe Chupik, you say that other people say that. I mean, many people are saying so has I, I, as somebody come up to you and said, hey, you're the preeminent podcast or is it just me? Just
1: you. Just you. Well, I, I, I've, I've had many people come up and say how much they love the podcast. And I always come back with the catchphrase that I use. The major league of AWA podcasts, a little takeaway from the major league of Professional wrestling—that was, you know, big catchphrase in the '80s for the AWA. But no matter what, it is AWA Unleashed.
2: It's easy to be the uh, the number one guy in the race when you're the only one at the starting block. So uh, we are, in fact, what's that there? We are, in fact, the preeminent number one. All number before, one. All free itself. Hey, careful. We might send us out of focus again. Um we <laughs> number one podcast. And hey, we better get going because we've been admonished, you know, not to bullshit like this at the beginning that's of the true. You know, that, that, that's that's true. We yeah. should not talk
0: about anything else other than wrestling the no. minute that we get in. We shouldn't talk about Seventh Avenue pizza or soda stick or some of the things that we've got coming up in the fall. Wink wink. So I'm not going to get into those. You shouldn't get into it. So we should just talk about it.
1: Hold on. Hold on. No bullshitting? Oh, fuck it. I'm out of here. Well, there he goes. All right. There he goes. Good show.
0: Good. Sh- That's a best show, Polish show. Oh, hey, Joe. I was just going to bull- say, it's a b- the best show you've ever done. The Bullshitters back. Hey, um, a couple of things. First of all, y- you see the, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you see the subscribe button. Hit that button because that is very important to us. It it helps us grow. It helps the algorithm. uh, Leave a comment, rate, review. And as I said, if you don't want to watch the podcast, here's a little joke for you. If you don't want to, I don't care if you watch the podcast, just subscribe, right? That's tongue in cheek. If you don't like it, you're not going to subscribe. You're not going to watch. We know that. But subscribe. It really does help us. And and the next two weeks, you guys, uh, they're very important. If you're watching YouTube, because these are two shows that you're going to watch because you're not going to get the same. We love everybody that that, that subscribes and downloads the audio version on iTunes, uh, Google Music, Spotify, whatever. But one thing that you're going to want to do the next two weeks are going to be primarily pictures. So hit that subscribe button because you're not going to get the same context listening as you will just watching it.
2: There you go. Well said. Absolutely well said. But then that's that's what you do for a living. You work for a high-powered radio station. That nobody listens to? Nobody listens to, according to somebody that nobody else listens to. But um, well said. And w- the pictures that we're going to be put up today, talk about a hodgepodge. Uh, various pictures of AWA wrestling stars and promoters and what have you from over the years. Mm-hmm. I came up with a bunch of them. Uh we're gonna do this in two parts as I understand it. Yes, and uh I don't know what order they're gonna be coming up in. Chupik is gonna you know be uh running the station, running the engine on this train. I'm just
1: the caboose, albeit a factor. I'll be in a factor. The idiots running the asylum today.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna call this slick mix picks. Okay, perfect. Perfect. it's gonna Um, be a good one. It's gonna be a good one, not slick mix dicks picks, no dick picks from slick mick. It's just slick mix picks.
2: Trust, um, trust me, nobody would ever hit that subscribe button. We don't have to, the zoom on the
1: camera; doesn't work well enough. Hey! <laughs> wow! <laughs> uh, if there could
2: never be a
0: time to get out of focus. Now is the time. Oh! Just
1: get out of focus, please! Out of focus.
0: Yeah. Okay. W'e ready, guys. <laughs> oh.
2: We're, yeah. Uh, ready right. to go.
0: I'm gonna, uh, I'm, I'm gonna remove me and uh, Joe. Uh, I'm gonna put the first one up, and then I'm gonna let you guys uh, take it away.
1: So Mick went deep into the mine to build his body strong to deliver us these pictures. Mick, I don't know if you're clapping that somebody talked to you or that you're happy to see my dear old friend, Mr. Chris Markoff. We get a lot of people asking
2: whatever happened to Chris Markov. Once he moved from Skopla, Yugoslavia to Russia and the Russians is coming, they are here. Uh, People wanna know what happened to Chris. Chris is doing very well. This is a few years ago at a Stan Kowalski Minnesota Hall of Fame induction. Hadn't seen Chris for years. Uh, He's a tormented soul, but I love him dearly. Big property owner here in the state of Minnesota and spends a lot of his time in Florida. And uh, one, of the, one of the real greats, in my opinion, and a great guy in Chris
1: Markov. He married a Polish gal, and, and uh, they would attend um, Polish National Alliance meetings in northeast Minneapolis, where my dad was president and mom was secretary. And so I knew Chris before I knew that he was a wrestler, believe wow. it or not. Yeah, he's at my <laughs> wedding and uh, haven't seen him. Well, god, about 25 years, but great to see him in that pick. The next one, Hello, girl, please. Oh, my, there's uh, AWA's version of Uncle Milty. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. That is
2: Wally Carbo. and Wally actually is in a hospital bed right there. He had some sort of surgery. Uh, looking at the picture, I'm going to say that probably goes back to the 1950s. And you had mentioned Uncle Milty. I'm guessing that Wally was not laying in the hospital bed after a night of frolicking in Denver. Uh, perhaps not that early on uh, in his career, but yes, I got. I don't feel good. Uh, that was Wally Carbo after surgery. And boy, if you could screenshot that picture of Wally with a legit head of hair, uh, and then compare it to a toupee that unfortunately he tried wearing on all-star wrestling years ago. My God, I I think he probably put the toupee on as he's walking out the door, never looked in the mirror, and and it was a little bit askew, kind of like a, um, a rabbit or something had died on Wally's head. But that is Wally Carbo circa 1952, 53, something like that. When Wally was
1: wearing that rug, I wonder if there were calls for fines and suspensions. There should have been no doubt that. about it. Our next pick drum roll. Ah, Scott Hogg went on the right, Wild Bill Irwin on the left. And Mr. Larry Nelson, who gave me my moniker of Polish Joe. That is from the show The reason I put this picture up is
2: because of you, Joe Chupik. You and Larry Nelson were very, very close. Yes. i want to know we, we've seen larry have you know get orgasmic after the master blaster the blaster came through the back wall look at larry's expression there what has happened have uh, one or both of the uh, long riders passed gas what in the world is, is is going on with larry
1: nelson he's your buddy explain this A larry was very very good at his job at his expressions from orgasmic larry when the blaster came through to i wouldn't doubt that one of the long riders may have had um maybe some beans at the buffet that, that afternoon wouldn't surprise me in the least
2: i would just curious about it you never know what pictures we're going to throw up here ladies and gentlemen this, this we're going to have a good time this week so so there you go let's bring up another one. Oh boy Wow, that's going back a ways. This one, I would guess, probably goes back to about 1963, 64. And uh, being interviewed there, and I believe this was in uh, WWA territory, um, the wrestler to the left is Angelo Poffo, the father of Macho Man Randy Savage and Lanny Poffo, in the middle. Of course, Bobby the Brain Heenan in his 1950s uh, rock and roll band hairstyle. And then to the right, we had him up there a little bit ago. Uh, that is Chris Markoff. Poffo and Markoff were known as the Devil's Duo back in the day, and they were managed by Bobby the Brain Heenan.
1: I love wow. that. Character. Do you know who the interviewer was, by chance? Uh, some guy with a microphone. Ah, sounds like a good Irish man. Yeah, guy with microphone. Next we picture. On off. Oh man, the X and the X with um, is that Dennis Stamp
2: as That's the referee? Denna, that, is, that is Dennis Stamp, the referee, wow. and this is a historical picture, uh, in the annals of the AWA. This was the night that Doctor X was actually teaming up with Larry Hennig, and Doctor X. Uh, explained to referee Dennis Stamp that Larry Hennig had used a foreign object to defeat their opponents that evening. It was the beginning of the Dr. X babyface turn. And uh, the next time Dr. X came back, well, he, he was in the AWA for a couple of months after that, went on tour, went to Japan, went all over the world, came back as a full-fledged babyface. But this, in fact, was the time that Dr. X turned from heel to face in the awa
1: very nice x marks the spot
0: well i figure maybe they were friends because it looks like larry's just scratching his back
1: uh no so, i think
2: you you don't see the uh, the knife or the handle of the blade uh, all you see is is uh, larry's hand there oh so, see uh, i thought
0: he was i thought it was larry the back scratcher at that point
2: you know, he's used a lot of gimmicks over the years. I, I'm not sure that that was one of them. Hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'll look that up for you, Chris. There should I, there
0: should be somebody named the back scratcher, and that's how they beat somebody is they scratch their back, and then the person's like, oh, my God, that feels so good, and then they just lay down and get pinned.
2: Been well, done. Been done. Joe Chupik. Sorry,
0: mad,
1: mad dog was in the back. Oh, man. Take Chris Taylor and a young Cosgrove. God, that had to be about 73-ish.
2: I believe that is about right. And I love this picture. Two of Vern Gagne's trainees, Uh, needless to say, Cosgro Vaziri, the Iron Sheik, went on to legendary success, uh, not only in the AWA, but all over the world, literally. Chris Taylor, we've mentioned this before, came out of the Olympics, 450-pounder. Vern Gagne thought that Chris was going to be the next big deal. Uh, Sadly, it just didn't take off. And, uh, you know, Chris, unfortunately, uh, passed away at a very young age. I had a, a myriad of health problems. But I just love that picture. Talk about going back in time to the uh, the glory days of the Vern Gagne training camp.
1: Wow. What, never seen that one.
0: What, what would have happened if uh, he would have told Chris Taylor to go fuck himself? He would have laughed.
2: Yeah, he would have chuckled. Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Chris, I mean, that's
2: kind of. Chris Taylor was a very nice guy. I, I don't think uh, Cos would have called him a jabroni. Uh, okay. but, uh, nonetheless, boy, you, you, that is just a, a terrific picture.
0: It's a great, I mean, it, it really is a great picture.
1: Yeah. Oh, uh, what do we good. got coming up next? Oh, the high criers. Here's a deal,
2: and, and this is one that I uh, have a caption for. This is at uh, Cauliflower Alley Club a couple of years ago. Uh, that is, of course, Jumpin' Jim Brunzel on your left. You can tell because it says Jumpin' Jim Brunzel on his shirt. Uh, to his right is Greg Ganya. And I have actually put this picture up on my Vic page before with the caption, Hey, Greg, since when are there six aces in a deck? <laughs> so, <laughs> and I, I'm sure What's Greg... He doing, play
0: What's he doing, playing solitaire? Solitaire?
2: I, I'm not sure. I, I, I see a lot of pens and pictures on, on the uh, on the table there. Um I, I'm not sure, but if you look at Jim's face clearly, something's not setting well with him. Either that or he's asked Greg a question and Greg's ignoring. I, I don't know what's going on there, but uh, Cauliflower Alley Club, the high flyers back a few years ago.
1: Great. Well, there's never been a a card game that Greg Ganya has not liked. Oh, Interesting. Okay. All right, then. (laughs) Next on the list. Oh, Oh, man. Vern, you look like you are in serious (laughs) pancake trouble. We have
2: mentioned before the athleticism of Jerry Blackwell. And clearly it is Jerry that is controlling this over the top. Uh, And God love him. If he was a step slow or a misstep, either way, uh, Vern Gagne's uh, his his vitamin pills would have been transformed into his liquid vitamin right there on the mat. Uh, talk about a trust level for Vern. Look, can you imagine that, Joe and Chris looking up and seeing this 465 pound guy, and you're trusting him to take the the uh, the thrust over the top. And not kill you. I don't think I've ever seen
0: Yeah, I don't think I've seen a guy that big take a monkey flip like that.
1: Oh, my God. And they say professional wrestling is fake. Try and get splashed by 450-plus pounds once. There you go. Absolutely. Continue. Oh, man. Let's see. We got... Uh well, Nick and Ray on the right. Not sure who the ref is as that's Murdoch. And Murdoch. That? is that, is that Murdoch?
0: dusty? Is that dusty next to Murdoch? That is
1: dusty roads? And this
2: one will take it back. I believe 1973. God bless it. 50, wow. 50 years ago. Uh And I, I'm almost sure this match was in Chicago. This was at a point where Rhodes and Murdoch and Bach and Stevens were having their feud in the AWA. And Dusty and Dick, even though they were all four heels, Dusty and Dick were the crowd favorites that night. And I mentioned before, when they wrestled here in Minneapolis, uh, there was a full-scale riot uh, with uh, an off-duty officer actually getting stabbed in the process. So they had some torrid, torrid matches. But I just, you talk about old school. I mean, this is as good as it gets. Uh, Bachwinkle, Stevens, Rhodes, and Murdoch. Love the picture.
1: Any idea on the referee?
2: Uh, you know, I should know that because I know he was a regular in the Chicago area. Uh, but I will leave that up to uh, some of our listeners like uh, Rich Tito, who lives in Chicago, to uh, to tell us who the referee is. I should know it. I don't. And God knows you don't want to take a misstep on this show. And, and <laughs> say something wrong because you know well that's
0: why that, that's why i put it up again just to make sure that everybody's on the same page
2: yep you know the portal light up if we uh if we misstep here
1: let's Absolutely. get it oh man george clooney i didn't know he played football as well isn't that something there is a picture
2: of that's so old, old
0: that's so old that's that is so old school it's got one bar yeah.
2: <laughs> isn't that something that, ladies and gentlemen, is our friend George Clooney, Baron Von Raschke, in his football days at the University of Nebraska. Raschke from Nebraska. And uh, the Baron, yeah, he was a, a tremendous wrestler, obviously, amateur champion, but he uh, he played football as well as a tackle, as you see there. Promising Husker tackle project or prospect. That is uh, Baron Von Raschke. What a great. Great picture. Probably goes back to uh, 1907.
1: <laughs> Something that just dawned on me, and I'm not going to get it from this photo because it looks like this is Baron trying out what it was going to be like to be bald. Have you ever seen him with hair or a photo of him with hair?
2: The only picture, yes, I, I actually have. Uh, and there wasn't a lot of it then either. Uh, so let's just say it might be a, a photo of him with fuzz as opposed to hair. Uh, but uh, I think Barron was probably, uh, probably started losing whatever hair he had at about age two.
0: So was, so, so, so what happened to Barron? Like, you know, you see that, you know, promising Husker, uh, Husker prospect, what happened to Barron that he had to give up football and went into wrestling?
2: I think it was, it was a choice because he was a two sport athlete and he just excelled at wrestling. He was just, an absolute mess. So it wasn't
0: thing. like an injury per se that that he had to give up the football and then not
2: not that I'm aware of. You know, okay. Blackwell actually played football in college too. He played at Oklahoma University and he did have to quit uh, due to an injury, a knee injury, and go into wrestling. But as far as Barron is concerned, I think it was just how good he was as a wrestler.
0: Okay, I I wasn't sure like what the uh, wasn't sure what it was. This one, guys,
2: so many questions. Vern
1: Gillibrew. In short.
2: Yep. Uh, Despite what you might think, he's not hitting some guy at ringside for uh, announcing Marty Gennetti and Shawn Michaels uh, with that bat. That is actually at Metropolitan Stadium uh, prior to a Minnesota Twins game going back to 1965. They had a celebrity home run hitting contest. Uh, Vern was uh, in in the contest, as was the Crusher. Somebody had mentioned to me that Larry Hennig was in there, too, although I don't know. Uh, When Crusher came up to the plate for his turn, he tapped his bat on home plate, and the bat shattered, and Crusher was out of the competition. Uh, Vern Vern probably sabotaged the bat, but Vern actually won the home run hitting competition, legit, back in 1965. With one... One home run. Uh, it may have been with one home run. I, I just don't know how many. You know, I'm looking at Vern there, and I don't know how many ball players actually, you know, approach a plate wearing their trunks and boots and jockstrap. thank you, know. you.
0: I, I, I mean, I wouldn't even play softball in shorts, let alone like, like yeah, when I played softball, I'd wear, you know, I wear pants because, I mean, I just that just that seems ballsy to go out and do something like that.
2: It's exactly what I was going to say as ballsy. Can you imagine if Vern, instead of hitting the home run, would have followed the uh, pitch off the plate and it went straight up vertical? Can you imagine? Well, what about ballsy.
1: But besides the shorts, he had his wrestling boots on. So he's not good. You're going to be slipping and sliding can't. Yeah, you, can, yeah you, you can't get uh,
0: – I mean, I don't know how you win a, a home run contest when you can't even get footing with your I – mean,
1: Well,
2: you know, Crusher and Vern were feuding at the time. So That's I'm true. sure Vern, Vern was just getting ready for a fight. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, so, and, and
0: the name like Crusher, I mean, if you didn't hit a ball over the fence like 500 feet, I mean, you have to change the name, right? Absolutely have to call yep. him like the foul tipper or something.
2: History, ladies and gentlemen, right there. History. <laughs> love this one. Oh, oh man. Let's see. Right. that
1: early on the left?
2: That actually, on the left, that's Buddy Wolf.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, yep
2: yeah, with his uh, his back to you. I believe this picture was from Japan, uh, an early tour in Japan. And that and then to uh, Buddy's right, that, of course, is Dusty Rhodes. Then you got Dick Murdoch in the middle of the screen. And to your right, the Nature Boy himself, all 300-plus pounds of Ric Flair. Uh, The boys having a little drink. I don't know if this – I was going to say an after-match drink, but knowing them, it could have certainly been beforehand. Um, But, again, in Japan, and I'm going to say 1974, 75-ish
1: for this picture. Love it. Pre-Nature Boy.
2: Yeah, yes, so
0: so you've got a pre-nature boy Ric Flair, and then you got Dusty, who looks like he's trying to pick something out of his teeth.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, is that?
0: I mean, that's kind of what I'm seeing. I mean, it's like he's got some corn or something stuck in his teeth there.
2: And Dusty might be trying to pull out his own teeth there. He might have had a toothache, and as tough as Dusty was, he might have been trying to remove a molar. Uh, that is, of course, at the time when Ric Flair was considering wrestling as Rambling Ricky Rhodes. Uh, and uh, being a part of the the Dusty Foundation. Who
0: who came up? Who came up with the rambling Ricky Rhodes?
2: Uh, Any idea I where? He, I I think Rick did. I think he actually did.
1: Well, he was, I think I think looking at that picture again, I think it's Dusty pointing to his mouth and talking to the geisha, geisha girl that he doesn't have a drink because I think the pic. See, everybody's got a drink. Dusty awesome. is empty. And it's like. I need alcohol here, please.
0: Alcohol. Uh, see, I, I, w- I was thinking what he's pointing to his mouth, something different, but
1: okay. Could we'll have been many on. other things. Could but, have been hey, many other things. Moving right along.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I don't know any of these, so I'm just, you know, I'm trying to think of what the common man would uh, would think of. Uh, I love Nick's face on this. Like that, I, that, I
2: giggled. That's exactly what I was going to say. That's <laughs> Chris Taylor again. Uh, with an arm the size of New Hampshire, and look at Nick Bockwinkle. Now, I don't know if Nick is actually saying or trying to scream for the referee. Uh, this is a chokehold nutshell. Nick's eyes are literally crossed, and he's gasping for air. Uh, to me, that is one of the great wrestling action shots of all time. And I was going to say, leave it to Nick. You know, Chris did not have a lot of talent back in back then when he was uh, starting out, leave it to Nick to put the guy over. I'm not sure Nick had any choice, uh, but to put the guy over as he's fighting for
1: air. And Nick did that so well. I I, got to put him right near the top. If not at the top of the AWA talent that made me believe Mm -hmm. Yes,
0: sir. I I really hope that one thing that people to to be serious here, I hope one thing that people can maybe come to realize, is how underrated Nick Bockwinkel was. As you start to see these pictures and you hear the stories and and you know you hear about the all time great world champions with you know Ric Flair, yeah, and Hulk Hogan and you know a lot of the guys from the modern age, but. Nick Bockwinkle should not be overlooked as being an absolute all-time great. And I hope people are getting a sense of really everything that he brought to the wrestling business.
2: Chris, I'll tell you, we've mentioned this before. Those who watched Nick Bockwinkle over the years know how damn good he was. Uh, He was only lost in the shuffle in the national magazines, who Mm -hmm. were paying attention to the Hulk Hogan's and the Ric Flair's of the world. Nick Bockwinkle, to me, is the greatest world's heavyweight champion of all time. All bias aside, he made everybody yeah. look good. His matches were all different. Carried himself as a champion, and that's what it's all about. Not enough
1: O's and smooth to describe Nick Bockwinkle. There you go.
0: Yeah, like you guys said, he, so many different, different types of matches that he can yep. work and make you, like you said, make you believe, Joe.
1: There oh, you man. go. I, a young, pretty boy. Doug Summers. Isn't that something? Uh,
2: Doug Summers, who started out in the AWA, uh, taking tickets at the TV studio matches. He was kind of a hangaround guy. He helped put up and tear down the ring. He took tickets when people came into the studio to watch the all-star wrestling TV tapings. He refereed for a while and then got into the business and Doug Summers and along with Buddy Rose, Two of the consummate ring generals in the business. There was nothing flashy about Doug Summers. There was no high flying with Doug Summers. He was a straight ahead, no nonsense, old school guy that made people like the Midnight Rockers really come to fruition and uh, blossom their career. And uh, I miss Doug. He was one hell of a guy from right here in the Twin Cities area, uh, very underrated. You talk about underrated guys in the business. Doug Summers
1: was one of them. I brought up the story before, and it, I wouldn't say it's flattering, but it's my most memorable thing of Doug Summers is he's Mike fighting Mike Rotondo, ESPN uh, Championship Wrestling main event early on in the match. Doug gets body slammed, and um, shall we say his blue got a little bit of a brown streak for the remainder of the match. What? Hmm. It, it happens it
2: happens yep. you know i mean joe you know it. you you've gotten that same brown streak from the croatian hall floor uh you know at the end of an evening so it's it happens
1: never been there
0: yeah i got yep. i got nothing i got nothing all right uh here's a good one guys a good action shot
1: oh stud and holy shit baron look at the I, I would say there's a little bit of an impact from Mr. Big John Stud on on Baron.
0: Do you think maybe that's why he autographed like right there? Because I mean, if you look past Clown, or what does that say, Clown? I can't. Well, I, I don't don't you don't
2: uh, I'm very proud of that picture because I took it. Uh, look, I, it's, I, it's, it's a great picture. That's that's one of my ringside shots, and you know, every once in a while you get lucky. And I'm telling you, you know, Baron did not have. A chiseled chest, anyway. Baron had kind of the, you know, the the loose skin going, and I just happened to catch that impact because we talked about the, the heart hard punch uh, last last show when John Stud hit the Baron, and I don't know, ladies and gentlemen, if you can appreciate how Baron's chest is literally contorting in that picture, but you could hear the smack all the way onto Rice Street outside the Saint Paul Civic Center. And just one of those moments, and you might be right. Maybe that's why he signed right over the uh, right over the, the point of impact there. Uh, but what a shot!
1: <laughs> very, anyway. very nice. And you're right, Mick. But sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Yeah. In that case, it might have been both. But you weren't using an iPhone or a digital camera. That was a film camera that you were no. taking it with. And you're not rattling off twelve different shots. So very impressive. There we go. Oh, The boss and the
2: brain. The boss and the brain. And uh, this is a picture taken in the early 2000s. And there's a couple of reasons why I love that picture. And I'm sure Joe and Chris, you'll agree with this, not only for the nostalgia of it. uh, And Vern at that point was just starting to go over the edge a little bit uh, from a, you know, a health standpoint. But Bobby Heenan is one of those guys that did not put the bad mouth on Vern when he left the AWA uh, he, he talks highly of Vern and he always said you know anybody who how could you have a problem with Vern Ganya he wanted you to show up on time he wanted you to you know fulfill your commitments and he wanted you to go in there and be a professional and defend the business outside of the ring and he said how can you have how can you find fault with Vern Ganya for that
1: Well, and it was very well known that Vern was one of the best paying promoters in the business. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, I mean, he had had his edge to him. Vern was Vern. But if it wasn't for Vern, shit, we wouldn't be doing this podcast. Let's face it, Vern Gagne was the AWA. You're absolutely right. And so many guys who left the AWA
2: put the bad mouth on him. Bobby was not one of them. I love this shot. And uh, oh, wow. this, this is one of those, uh, you know, let's kayfabe here, guys. I believe this was from Comiskey Park, a big show in Chicago, probably close to 40 years ago. And that, of course, is Andre the Giant. And he is talking to Big Bad Bobby Duncan and Black Jack Lanza. Now, nobody's standing on a box here for an interview. Duncan was about six foot three, six foot four. Jack Lanza was about six four, six five. This really gives you an idea of in his prime just how freaking big Andre the Giant was.
1: He makes he makes Mulligan and, and Lanza look like like high school kids. Uh, well, with facial hair, but you know, nonetheless, they get the point.
2: And again, you know, this is back in the K era. You know, if they caught you with a camera uh, in the locker room and you weren't somebody who belonged there, you were told in no uncertain terms, get the hell out of here. But uh, I love the shot. And Andre, again, if this is going back 40 years ago, he was really at the peak of his career at this point.
0: Yeah, he, he looks really good there. Now, does he have a ponytail too? Am I seeing no. Andre? I don't think I've ever seen Andre with a ponytail.
2: He's got the ponytail going. And you notice, and, I, and I'm not being facetious here. Andre is standing upright as the years went on. And those horrible back injuries uh, took their toll. He was hunched over and, you know, he wasn't a guy seven foot something, you know, by the end of his career, you know, maybe six, eight, six, nine, but a great shot. Nonetheless history in the AWA.
1: Very nice shot. What do we got next, Chris? Uh, Let
0: me see here. Go to 17. Saw that one. All right. All right. Uh, here's a, this is a cool one I I, I like this one you're gonna to to tell me all about this
1: one well, well Mick before you get into it yeah. the only thing I can think of is that Vern is collecting money from all of the dollars that you've cost him over the years
2: <laughs> it, it's exactly right and you know what's interesting about it, uh, it you're sort of right this is a picture from the early 1960s uh, with Vern uh, Vern was clairvoyant he could see into the future. And apparently he had some kind of a a vision, a premonition, that some ring announcer was going to cost him literally millions over the years. So he was starting early. He was starting in the mid-1960s, collecting coin by coin. Uh, Nonetheless, this is Vern ringing the old bell there, and that is on the Nicollet Mall. I don't even think it was a Nicollet Mall back then. I think it was Nicollet Avenue uh, if it was in the 1960s. Uh, I'm sure this was around the holiday time. But uh, just talk about just nostalgia, and I'm not sure. Look, look at Vern. He's got the smile on his face, but he's also kind of looking down to make sure that the, it's silver and not <laughs> copper that is being tossed into that uh, that can. Even back then, <laughs> Vern watched every dime.
0: Oh, classic. That's, oh, that's a great I, – I wasn't sure where you were going with it, but that was uh... – that was definitely well done. Just got about uh, four more here, guys. So All right. shows this week and next week are going to be a little bit shorter. But, again, this is why you subscribe to YouTube so you can see exactly what it is that we're doing.
2: This, wow. this is where the from- expression as tough as shoe leather comes from. Uh, that is our buddy, Mad Dog Vashan, And, you know, uh, the, the dog would kind of go for any body part that was available. And in the person of Adrian Adonis, Adrian's size 13 boot uh, made its way a little bit too close to Mad Dog's two teeth. And uh, the dog has chopped, he is, he's locked on, he's locked and loaded on the foot of Adrian Adonis. Now, what was interesting, like I say, it, was, uh, it almost looked like a, uh, it had been stapled from a staple gun because there was two indentations from Mad Dog's two teeth. When Adrian uh, uh, actually took a look at his boot at the end of the night. Really? Like, so that, that was a legit hard bite? Uh, everything that the dog did, from what I understand in the ring, mm-hmm. uh, even the lightest touch uh, you felt. And um, look at the expression on Adrian. Um, well,
1: I was going to comment on that. I don't know if Adrian is screaming in pain or if he's trying to reciprocate the bite onto Mad Dog's ass. Well, it could that could be
2: a very interesting point. The dog is just a little <laughs> bit out of reach there. You know, Adrian had he not had quite the ample midsection, might have been able to get into full sit up position and, <laughs> uh, and clamp <laughs> clamp onto the dog's uh, hairy posterior. But nonetheless, uh, it would have been S- a circle then. It, they would have they would have like formed an O at that point then. They they would have and they probably would have rolled around the ring. Uh, that would have been very interesting. But (laughs) uh, nonetheless, Mad Dog, Rashawn, as I said, Mad Dog had an appetite and it really didn't matter what was in front of him during a wrestling match. He was going to take a chunk out of it.
1: That's why he was Mad Dog. There you go. What do we got next, Chris? Oh, Oh. Sherry.
2: There's a uh, God love Sherry. This was the first night that I met Sherry Martell. I had talked to her on the phone. Uh, prior to her coming to the AWA. And this was Sherry's debut night. And, you know, we, we were talking in the locker room, and I said, Sherry, would you mind if I took a picture of you? It's fine. Sherry had had a couple of cocktails uh, prior prior to the uh, the picture being taken. Uh, if you look at her eyes, Sherry's not quite focused uh, at the camera lens. She looked kind of like I did a couple of weeks ago when I went out of focus. Uh, but also... There's a little bit more showing than Sherry probably knew at the time, and God love her. She she autographed a picture for me, sense of humor, and said to Mick, "In view of everything, Sherry Martell. God bless her soul."
0: You are mark. such a you are such a mark for asking for a picture on the very first night.
2: Absolutely. You know what? Here's the deal, Chris. Um, ask for ask for the pictures. Take the take the goddamn pictures. So many times, you know, I've left an event and I've thought to myself, why didn't I get that yeah. picture? Uh, as I've said before, how are you going to stop time uh, without taking that picture? And uh, with Sherry, boy, the opportunity was there. And I didn't even uh, have to have to remember to take the lens cap off.
1: It, Mick, so- I've said it for years, how in retrospect, I'm so disappointed that I don't have more pictures of my time in the AWA. Wahoo, Ray the Crippler, Stevens, Manny Fernandez, Vern. I mean, I've got a couple, but the rest of them are sadly right here. We didn't, we didn't have these in our back pocket where you could take a picture when you wanted to. It was uh, either had a bright, nice camera or the little Kodak disposable ones that were placed in the middle of a table at a wedding back in the day.
0: So uh, let, 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 let me ask you guys about the pictures because we just have a couple more left in, in this episode. What Was it taboo to ask for a picture if you were in the business, or was there, was there a certain line that you couldn't – was it considered unprofessional at all? Because I know that today it seems like there's nothing off-limit for fans, and I, that kind of bothers me that I feel like fans feel like they have a right to everybody's personal space. I don't agree with that at all. There's a time and a place, but – Was there ever any time where it was not suggested or, I mean,
2: what was the etiquette? I I think for me and maybe Joel feel the same way. uh, I didn't want to appear to be marking out. Uh, There was just a certain comfort level. And I know a a lot of wrestlers felt that way. Where I didn't see it, like Jim Cornette. Jim Cornette will pose with anybody and everybody. Uh, My friend Bob Cook, a great veteran in Georgia Championship Wrestling. Bob says, take the pictures. Do not feel ashamed or small or embarrassed because you're a part of what's going on. It's no different, really, than taking a picture at at a grad party with your family. You belong there. Take the pictures. Just be respectful yes if you,
1: you know you run into a talent at, at a show well that's what they're there for to sign the autograph if you run into them at a restaurant and they're having a nice casual dinner with with somebody you can approach but be respectful you know they're they're wrestlers celebrities they're human beings as well just be respectful, and I guarantee you that the vast majority of the time, they will be accommodating. Spot on. What do we got next, Chris? Oh, it's all yeah. man. Is that Tanaka? The,
2: the uh, gentleman there is Duke Keomuka, Uh, an old-time wrestler, very, very big in Florida and the southern part of the United States, and he is actually feeding his son, who became the eventual Pat Tanaka. So that is Pat Tanaka's uh, uh, toddler picture, if you will. And so I'm, I'm guessing, again, probably going back to the early 1960s, give or take. But uh, what, a, what a great, great picture, uh, Duke Keiomoka and Pat Tanaka.
1: So quick story on Tanaka. When he first came in, I had asked him about his family. He k-faves me, and he tells me that Professor Toru Tanaka, who was, uh, I think, odd job in the James Bond movie. Well, uh, that was Harold Sakata.
2: Harold Sakata, but Professor Toru Tanaka was another guy. It's But they they were different guys.
1: Yeah, but, but Pat would tell me that. Gotcha. Correct. And that, you know, that odd job, and I'm like, Um, okay, Pat, sure. Um, it was, it
2: was an era of bullshit. Yep. Yeah. And,
1: uh, you gotta love it. Yep. Okay. Oh, Raymond and Dusty, what a picture. This I, I just
2: recently discovered, uh, on the net and I'm looking at the, at the pictures in the background on the wall And you can pretty much get the time frame here. This is, again, uh, early 1970s, the 60s. I'm looking, Hercules Cortez up in the left picture, Harley Race, Lars Anderson. Uh, This is Ray Stevens and Dusty Rhodes. So I'm going to say this is probably 1973-ish again. I'm not sure where the picture was taken. Uh, I don't know if it was at the AWA office. It might have been. Uh, I don't remember seeing a wall with that many pictures in one spot, but mm-hmm. talk about two absolute legends and a great picture.
1: The stories of the two together. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: And I do have to say, I know at the beginning, I I promoted this as slick mix picks where, you know, pictures, of, some of them you took, some of them you did not take yourself. Right. But right. I, I may have misspoke. A good majority of these are ones that you did, you know, you took, but there are some sprinkled in. Again, that ones that you came across that you feel have good backstories and
2: these Absolutely. are, uh, okay. That, that's it, Chris. It's to, it's to uh, give a history of the promotion. And if anybody out there recognizes, hey, that's a picture that I took back in Moline or whatever, and you want to bring it to my attention, go ahead. Uh, to me, it's always been more important just to share the history. Yeah, uh, that's what we're family, and that's what yeah. it's all about.
0: Yeah. All right. Here is the last one, you guys, of this week's show, and we're gonna do the same thing next week. So we'll finish this week up with uh, this bad boy.
2: Oh, that picture. Harley uh, and Crusher. Uh, that's Bruiser. That's. That's. Uh-huh. that's-, uh-huh. that's- they were cousins, you know. So. Oh yeah, they They were cousins. Yeah. Uh, like the Kalmakovs were brothers and yeah, I got that. Um, the historical significance for this, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to guess at the date here, 1964, 1965-ish. Um, Harley Race and Larry Hennig were feuding with the Crusher and Dick the Bruiser at the time. Uh, all over the AWA area, they were exchanging the world tag team titles. And uh, to see this picture, and again, Talk about no kayfabe when this was taken. Uh, Harley Race on the left, Dick the Bruiser on the right. Uh, two of the all-time greats again, and the camaraderie in the business is what it's all about. But again, one of those one of those pictures that uh, man, if the promoters knew it was out there, they would not be too happy.
1: Wow, that is a classic. Looks like it was in a uh, a train. Yes. Yes. Very, very
0: cool. Well, you, you, you know, it's old school when it's on a train because nobody's on a train anymore. No, you would not take that on a train, you would not take it in the rain, you would not uh, take it any. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and do some shout outs and then we'll uh, we'll wrap it up. So, uh, Mick, uh, what say
2: you? Okay, uh, Shannon Laughlin, uh, Shannon is a recent addition to the uh, to the wrestling scene, uh, on uh. Do we have somebody else up there? You yeah, might you,
0: you got somebody else up here, but I can I can change it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Let, let, let's change it to to uh Shannon Laughlin. Uh, Shannon, it right hold on. A big wrestling fan uh, of the AWA and also of world class championship wrestling. Loves the business, loves our podcast, loves the uh the pages, the Facebook pages. Shannon, glad to have you aboard. Did I spell it right? Yes, I believe you did. Okay, good.
1: One, you could see who my shout out is it is the trainer of champions recently inducted into the Minnesota professional wrestling hall of fame. Our friend, um, he was my promoter. When I had run the AW, uh, let's see, AWL, the American wrestling league, Mr. Eddie Sharkey for all of your years, all of your trainees, Eddie. Thank
0: you. Yeah, and uh, you and I, Joe, we were fortunate to be there when Eddie was inducted, and it was it was a pretty cool moment.
1: And it was. Very well cool moment.
0: Yes, and uh, I'm going to go with uh, Jane Amundsen. Jane, oh. I, I know that you love the show. You love supporting us. And uh, just to let you know, no matter what you're going through, uh, we see it. We love you. We understand. And uh, we're always here. So uh, I want to say... Uh, We're here for you Jane and uh, don't ever be afraid to reach out if you need somebody. So uh, there we go. Thank you for your uh, support, everybody. Again, if you've been listening, uh, you want to take a look at YouTube, you guys like YouTube. This is why we've got YouTube because of all of these pictures. We're going to do the same thing next week. And then after that, we're going to take a week off uh, the week of Labor Day. We're not going to have a show. So uh, we're going to be the one week because got other things going on my daughter's starting her you know seventh grade year we get other things that we got to do we're gonna come back the week after and uh, we got I, I don't know what we're gonna do we got a couple of different ideas and then uh we've got some cool things that i think we're uh we're getting close to doing a couple more things in the uh, in the fall so uh is that uh, that sound about right you guys
2: it sounds good to me and uh you know until then everybody have a you know. We're in advance here, but have a great Labor Day weekend because we won't actually uh, be coming back live. Uh, one more of these picture shows and uh, we we absolutely love your support, everybody. Stay with us. Stay with
1: us. Yes, hop into the ring with us. We got some stories about the Major League of Professional Wrestling on the Major League of AWA Podcasts, AWA Unleashed.
0: Yep. Uh, oh, my God. Mick, what is this last picture?